Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Okay, everybody, I am really excited about today's interview. Um, again, I've told you this in the past podcasts. I love to meet people. I love to hear their stories. I love to connect with others. And through a podcast interview I did about a month and a half ago with Kimberly Wilkerson, she has graciously sent me people to connect with. And she sent me one of her friends, Kieki, um, to allow her, Kieki and I to connect with each other. And last week, Kieki and I talked um, about our lives and we just connected and she's on the interview on my podcast interview today. And Kiki's from Idaho. She's a financial advisor. She also has a group of women entrepreneurs um, that she with a Facebook group called Bright Her Future. And um, she's a mother of five. She's married. She's happily living her life, learning and growing. And I thought it'd be so much fun. I've never had a financial advisor on here. I've had many people on, but not a financial advisor. And I just feel like with Kiki, we can learn so much. And in this time, I feel like in the world, anything we can learn about finances is huge. But I also think there's a life and a story that she's going to share with us that will show you how she became a financial advisor. So Kiki, welcome to the podcast. Aloha. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I love it. I love when you text me, you'll say mahalo or Aloha. <laughs> yes, because that's me. I mean, I grew up in Hawaii. I'm from the island of Oahu on a little tiny part on the north shore called Kahuku, which is right near Laie, um, that houses um, the BYU Hawaii and the Polynesian Cultural Center, if anyone has been there before. And so that's just part of who I am. I always tell everyone aloha and <laughs> thank you for having me. So, so glad to be here. I'm super excited that I get to be the first financial advisor that you get to interview. Yes. Thank you. What an honor. Now, before we begin, I have to ask you, do you know where Punalu is? <laughs> Punalu'u. Yes. Actually, I grew up in Kahuku. So Punalu'u is about 15 to 20 minutes south of where I'm from. Okay. Matt and I went there, I think with our 15th wedding anniversary with my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law, and we got a house on the beach there. So it has meaning to me. It is beautiful. And actually Ka'ava is right next to Punalu. Next to and that is one of my favorite beaches. Beaches. Yes. yes. I love to go over there because the water is calm and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place to watch the sunrise. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And one more thing before, and we'll talk more about this, but um, Malasadas. Oh, <laughs> Leonard's. <laughs> yes, that's definitely an icon in Hawaii. If you haven't been to Leonard's, you have to go get their pink box. And I like only the original. I like the original. And it's actually a Portuguese donut. That's the origins of the Malasada. It's a Oh, Portuguese no way. Donut. 
Yes, because people in Hawaii, there it's a melting pot, right? In Hawaii. Yeah. So they had lots and lots of immigrants from the Philippines, from Portugal, from Japan, from China. I mean, that's why we have just kind of a huge international influence in Hawaii. And so the malasada is a Portuguese donut. That's what it was. But it's kind of similar to like your um, fried bread, I think here. Yeah. But it's nice and soft. Or it's kind of like a scone is what it kind of is. But it has kind of a crispy cover on the outside and it's soft on the inside and doughy. Oh. It's covered in sugar. <laughs> oh. oh, it makes me miss it. But I make them here in Idaho for my family. So we do enjoy our family traditions. <laughs> oh, Kiki, I'm going to come and see you then because I haven't, yes. had, I haven't had one for almost 15 years. Oh, well, I would rather go back to Hawaii and get one, but you're welcome <laughs> to come to Idaho. I would love to have you. <laughs> Well, um, we, uh, every morning when we were there, we would go to the pink truck at the supermarket in, at, in Oahu. Mm -hmm. And, um, I so I think, yeah, there was, it, it's a little, it's a, there's a grocery store right there where BYU Hawaii is, right? Yes. It's called food land, which everyone okay. that cause it's the land of food <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and milk was $10, which made me about die. But anyway, it didn't matter. We got, we got a dozen. Uh, malasadas when we went in the morning and we brought them back and we'd eat them all and get another one the next day. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know it's terrible because addicting we eat the whole box. Yes. We will eat the whole box. And so, but if you're in Hawaii, you definitely need to try Leonard's malasadas. It's an icon. <laughs> yes. Okay. And you taught me something about being from Portuguese. So awesome. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to you now. <laughs> That's all okay, about so me. I'm all about Hawaii. So <laughs> when you grew up in Hawaii, tell us about your family. Like, where do you fall in the line of children? Um, what about your parents? What did they do? How many generations back did your family live in Hawaii? We have a fun story. First of all, my name is Kiki Haloa Okay. See, that's why I didn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> But all of my clients call me Coach KK because it's a, just a lot easier to say. Um, and so, but my name, of course, it means the favorite child. That's what that means. That's Are you joking? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm three of four. I'm the third child of four. I have an older sister and an older brother, and then a younger brother. I'm definitely the favorite. In fact, my parents are here staying with me in Idaho. So that can attest to why I'm the favorite. <laughs> Um, but in Hawaii, when they give names, right, to children, um, and we did the same thing, but part of our culture is um, being able to give our children a name that we, um, that's something that's important to us that we want for our children. It's like values that we want them to grow into or something that we want them to become. So for me, my middle name, means the highest love of heaven. And so the reason I was given that name is because my mom and dad, um, they were married and they had two children and then they went to the temple and they were sealed together as a family. Family, and then they had me and so my name means the highest love of heaven and so they gave me that name because wow. I was the first child born after they were sealed in the sealed together mm -hmm. uh -huh. 
Which Which is why I said highest love of heaven, favorite child. (laughs) I mean, honestly, that's what it means. (laughs) And I'm really hoping my brother and sister are not watching this. (laughs) They are, and they're going to call you. Yeah, they are. They're going to call me out on it. Um, But yeah, so I grew up in Hawaii on the island of Oahu in Kahuku. I attended a high school, though, that was for um, only Hawaiians. It's called Kamehameha. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -mm. It's actually a private high school and they're well endowed, meaning um, the woman who founded the school was a princess. This is back when Hawaii was a monarchy before it became a state and a territory to the United States. And she was um, in line to become one of the next ruling monarchs of Hawaii. Um, However, it was taken over, right, by the United States. And, um, but her family still owned much of the land in Hawaii, and they still do today. And so she left her estate, she started a school and she left her estate to the school. And so Kamehameha, our high school, is the largest landowner in the islands of Hawaii. And so so they're well endowed. They have lots and lots of money that they use to educate children. That was what her trust was set up for, was to educate her people. And so you have to be Hawaiian to go to the high school. And it's um, pretty rigorous uh, to get in. You have to be, you have to test to get in and you have to go through an interview. And so it's a pretty uh, lengthy process to get in. Um, but it's a prep, uh, it's really a college prep school. And so they have some pretty high standards to go to school there. Um, but that's where both my husband and I graduated. And it's just kind of part of our culture that, um, because I went to a Hawaiian school, I learned language, I learned how to speak Hawaiian, and I learned a lot more about my culture, um, just in history and things that I wouldn't have learned um, just at regular school because our school was more focused on our culture. So, Did your siblings go there or was it just you? It was just me. I was the lucky one. Again, you were the favorite child. I the was. highest I was. level of heaven. My sister is going to thrash me. <laughs> but no, um, be, uh, my brothers and sisters, they were all athletes and they decided to stay at the local high school. Our local high school is called Kahuku and they're very well known for their football program and their volleyball program on the island. And my brothers and sisters were all athletes. I was an athlete too. I was not as good as them. They were amazing athletes. And so so I went to the private high school by myself, um, but I've loved it. I, what an experience for me. And um, my high school, like I said, because they've been well endowed and they've been able to make great investments um, with the money and land that they have, they paid for my college. So I went to college um, on a scholarship funded by my high school. My husband did as well. He got, he also graduated from Kamehameha and he also got a scholarship um, for his bachelor's degree. So we both got our bachelor's degree because of the school. And then they helped pay for my husband's law degree. So he went to law school and finished and they helped pay for that as well. So, so a lot of great oh blessings. Oh my word. Right. I mean, great, great blessings for our family. Um, and it, and I've just been able to continue to identify and teach my children how to identify as Hawaiians, um, 
having to live away from the islands, it's really difficult because there's not a lot of family and not a lot of cultural traditions that we can practice here um, unless we practice them on our own. And so it's helped for me and my husband to have that foundation so that we can do that here in Idaho. Oh, wow. Keiki. So did you both go to BYU Hawaii? Yes, my husband and I both went to BYU Hawaii. We graduated there. I graduated with a degree in business management, um, in international business management. And I had started, I was one class away from a minor in economics. Okay, I was one class away. And the very last semester I was there, um, I could choose between an economics class to finish my degree, my minor, or a choir class with my favorite choir teacher. And so I decided to take choir. <laughs> I gave up my minor in economics and I took choir instead. And I have never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. My daughter yes, Bailey would so love fun. that. <laughs> yes, it was so fun. So, but yes, we both graduated from there and it was wonderful. Uh, my husband's family is also from, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but my husband's family is also from um, the area. So I live in Kahuku and my husband lives about 10, 15 minutes south of where I'm from, which is called Haula. Um, that's where he grew up. And so, mm -hmm. but we grew up in different stakes. And so we didn't know each other growing up. Um, my husband, and so, but we both also went to the same high school. Um, so so we didn't actually know each other till we went to BYU to the high school. Yeah. Oh, so you no, went to BYU to Hawaii. Yes. After our missions is actually when we met it was after both of us served a mission. And so I served a mission on Temple Square in Salt Lake City, Utah during the Olympics, which was super cool. Yes. And then my husband served in Uganda in Africa. So, oh, wow. Fun. Yeah. Cause we talk about our mission experiences a lot with our children, but so different, like our experiences, because he's like, you had a bad day if your dishwasher broke. And I was like, yeah, that was a bad day. <laughs> and he's like, well, we didn't eat that day. That was a bad day. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> But super fun to be able to share kind of the best of both worlds with my children as they prepare for their missions. So super fun. Okay. I have to go back for a minute because speaking of missions and your life and going to BYU Hawaii, what did your parents grow up in the gospel or did they join the church later or had they gone inactive? What, mm -hmm. what was them and how in your family was the, the level of spirituality where, I mean, did you pray together? Did you like, what, what was the level of spiritual care in your family? Yeah. Well, um, my mom and dad, so my mom grew up, um, with a single mom, her mom was a single mom. And so my mom also went to Kamehameha, which is the high school that I went to. And she had a scholarship to go there. So that was really nice. She and her sister went there. Um, but because they lived on a different island, um, my mom boarded at the Kamehameha High School. Mm. So her mom was a single mom and she and her sister lived away from home um, from seventh grade to graduation. And wow. so yeah, so it was difficult for her to attend church. Um, and because her mom was a single mom, she didn't really, my mom didn't really grow up in the church except for 
she had two aunts that would pick her up when she was around, when she was around home on the weekends and they would pick her up and they would take her to church. And that was kind of the only exposure she had um, for a very long time. She grew up a member of the church. She had got baptized when she was eight, but she was never really around the church because she got sent away to school. And then um, because she just, her mom was a single mom. She was, she was always working. My grandmother worked three jobs like almost her whole life. And she made so many sacrifices for our family, but great, 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 grateful. Um, anyway, so that was my mom's experience with the church. My dad, he grew up, um, my grandmother was a member of the church. And when she got married to my grandfather, he was not a member of the church. It took him 20 years to get baptized. Wow. And then 20 more years to take her to the temple. <laughs> so my grandma is an angel and a patient, patient woman. <laughs> um, and so, so even my dad, he didn't, he um, was baptized a member of the church, but not a lot of exposure growing up. Um, it just wasn't a big priority because their families, again, lived in Hawaii. So it was a pretty big struggle just to live there and to pay for a living cost of living right so a lot of families had to work on Sunday um and so when my mom and dad got married um they were right out of high school they got married and they were just trying to figure things out and they decided that they wanted their children to grow up in the church and to grow up with the gospel um something that they didn't have and so as we grew up um they started off, you know, uh, not quite active, but trying to take their children to, to church, but they became increasingly um, more active as they got more involved in callings and um, just in being loved by ward members, by home teachers and, you know, ministering families that would come to visit and take care of us and our young families. So, um, so that's kind of how we grew up. It just kind of slowly grew in the gospel together as a family, like our immediate family slowly grew in the gospels together. Um, my oldest sister, um, she's really my hero, even though I say I'm the favorite, she's my favorite. <laughs> um, but she, um, like I said, she was an athlete. She um, went away to college with a scholarship to a junior college and then to a D1 school. Um, but while she was there, she decided to serve a mission. And so she served her mission in the Dominican Republic. Um, my brother, Maui, who was the second, was Kolohe, which in Hawaiian means rascal. He was a big rascal. He was... <laughs> I, wanna, I don't want to say the black sheep, but maybe the gray sheep in the family, <laughs> the brown sheep, brown sheep in the family. Um, but he decided not to serve a mission. Um, following my sister, my younger brother served a mission, um, Paliku, and he went to Nebraska. And oh, then wow. Mission. Yes. And then I went to Salt Lake City, Utah. So, so, I mean, like we didn't grow up like super strong in the church, like with a super strong foundation when we started our family and we were young but we grew up in the church and three of the four of my of me and my siblings ended up serving a mission and being married in the temple and so so my my parents I mean 
they they had to find their way themselves. Um, lots of great sacrifices from my grandparents, but it was really my parents that made the decision that this is something they wanted to give their children. And, you know, it reminds me of the scripture, train up a child in the way he should go and he shall not depart from it, right? And so, um, and that really is what has happened for my brother and sisters and that my sister and brothers and I, um, just that we've never really, we've never, we've been pretty stalwart in the gospel and in our testimonies and we've been able to help each other. Kiki, do you remember in your life, um, kind of a hinge point or a pivotal moment for you, spiritually speaking? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how many times, right? <laughs> uh, can you share, how about you share one where you decided to go serve a mission? Like how did that all transpire for you? Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> I did not want to serve a mission. <laughs> I was, my brother might've been the brown sheep and I was right after him. <laughs> We were both middle children syndrome. That's what we said to everyone, you know, but um, if he was a rebel, I was not far behind him. But it was amazing because I was at BYU in Provo, Utah, and um, my dad was pretty strict growing up. So dating was was really strict and (laughs) Uh, when I decided to go to BYU Provo, I decided also to kind of let my let go a little and let my wings spread a little. And so I came home after a year and a half because I was on academic probation. I needed to leave school and rethink some priorities in my life. So again, I was a little bit of a rebel in my days. Um, again, I wasn't I just didn't, that was not a a goal for me to serve a mission. And so I came home and um, I went to BYU Hawaii. I was grateful they let me into school. (laughs) They let me take a few classes. Someone on that school board believed in me. (laughs) (laughs) I could go to class and study and figure this out. So they let me back into school. And while I was home, I was dating a guy who was not, is not my husband <laughs> at the time, um, but he was not a member of the church. And so again, I, not a whole lot of motivation to serve a mission. Um, in fact, this um, other man that I was dating, he's still a friend, um, but when we had dated, he was very, very successful football player. In fact, he ended up in the NFL. Um, for about 10 years, I think he was in the NFL. And so he, I I mean, you picture like, I'm this young college girl, right, that is just enjoying life. And I have this guy I'm dating in the NFL who buys me coach purses and takes me on trips and, you know, pays for me to go do all these fun things. I mean, why would I want to go on a mission, right? I mean, I had the life, right? It was just fun. And I was still in school and I was, I just wasn't thinking about it. And uh, my dad, actually, uh, my sister was on a mission. My brother had gone on a mission and he was still on his mission. And my dad had sat me down and he's just like, what, what are we doing, girl? Like, like, find some kind of direction here. What, what, you know, what about going on a mission? And I'm like, dad, that's not for me. That's, 
nothing I've ever wanted to do. I don't think that's right for me. And he's like, well, maybe you should pray about it. And he's like, why don't you go to the temple? He worked at the temple at the time. And he said, why don't you go to the temple? And I said, I can't go to the temple. I'm not endowed. And he said, no, just go inside. I want you to go into the lobby. I want you to sit down. And I just want you to go and pray over there. And he's like, you can still feel the spirit. And I said, okay, well, I'll do that. So I went in and um, my dad's so sneaky. <laughs> One of my uncles was in the temple presidency. And he came out, of course, when I was sitting there in the lobby and had a nice little chat with me <laughs> about my life and what I was going to do. And oh, my uncle. Um, but so he left and he let me there sit there for a little bit by myself as I was just thinking about what do we want to do? Like what what is it that the Lord wanted me to do? And um and it just kind of hit me. I like kind of that I needed to serve a mission. And oh man, I I kept asking, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Because this is for me. And he's like, no, I'm sure. And, you know, this has been kind of the theme of my life is um, God's plan is better than my plan. I tell that to my children. I tell that to my husband all the time um, because he sees things that I can't see. Right. Um, how grateful I am that his plan is better than my plan, because <laughs> I don't know that my plan would have worked out very well. Anyway, it just kind of hit me as I was sitting there. Um just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, just really heavy one time. And it was like, yeah, it's time Kiki, to serve a mission. <laughs> and so I didn't look back after that. I decided um, to serve a mission. I put my papers in right away and um, off I went <laughs> on my mission. Were you shocked when you got called to Salt Lake City? I was completely shocked. Okay, so this is the rest of the story. So, um, sorry. So my um, boyfriend at the time, okay, he is dating and stuff. So he hadn't got into the NFL yet. We were still dating. He was playing at the University of Utah. Okay. In Salt Lake City. Oh, dear. <laughs> and my, my dad, besides the fact that he wanted me to go on a mission, right? Because I can help and talk, teach and invite people. Um to the savior right but he also was trying to get me away from this guy as far as possible <laughs> so uh we're sitting at my grandma's house and this is when they sent letters right and we opened our letter and everybody's sitting around and um sitting at my grandma's house and I opened the letter and I'm starting to read my letter and I stop and I just died like laughing before I say where I'm going and my dad's like are you going and I was like Salt Lake City <laughs> Utah he's like 200 missions and you're going to Salt Lake City again my boyfriend at the time not a member of the church you know big time football player lives about 10 minutes away from my from my apartment in my mission I mean, I look at my dad and I'm like, can I still go? You <laughs> was just so flabbergasted. Could not believe, you know, the Lord had a plan. He had a plan. And 
it was amazing because um the the guy that I was dating at the time, like he was there for another year. He was there for his senior year while I was on my mission. So, <laughs> so he would come down, he would visit, he was not a member and all of my companions knew him and all the sisters on the temple square knew him. It was funny because the security guards had a file on him because he visited so often because they keep files and stalkers, right? Like guys who are there and they're not supposed to be there. And so um, they kept a file on him and one of the other football players on the team, um, he was a security guard and he's like, oh, that's just his girlfriend. She's serving, serving over there. He's fine. <laughs> uh, but he would frequent the area and we would, it was cool because I got to teach him as a missionary. Um, a lot of times when we serve our mission, we don't really, we don't get to teach the people that we care most about, right? Because we're often... 5,000 miles away, right? We're teaching other people. Um, and so it was cool because I got to show him like how committed I was because there was a line that we didn't cross, you know, like we we didn't hold hands. We didn't, we didn't talk about dating. We talked about if he came, then we talked about the savior. We talked about the plan of salvation. We talked about um, all the principles of the gospel. And um, he ended up getting baptized a year after I got home from my mission um, and so that was super cool, like just to have been part of his journey. And I don't think I could have done that had I served somewhere else. And the Lord knew that. And I was just grateful that that was part of the blessing that I got to be part of that. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so okay. Cool. Now you, you need, no, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> you need to share before we find out, cause obviously you didn't marry him, <laughs> but right. right. The rest of that but, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to hear the rest of that one. But I want to know from your viewpoint, being there during the Olympics, because I had a child during that time, 2002, Salt Lake City. I had, I had my February, 2002, I had Hayden. Um, I want to know how your mission changed you and being there during the Olympics. What was that like? It was really neat um, to be there during the Olympics. I mean, what a time, right? To be able to be there to meet. There were so many different people from around the world. And, you know, at first people were really afraid to come and to visit with us. We had about 150 sisters and we thought we would just be like, packed, like all the time, just so busy. And that first week of the Olympics, we weren't. And we were so sad because we had prepared and we had you know, like we were all ready and so excited to meet all these people, but people were a little afraid to come and to talk to us. And, um, but I think as like some, you know, people would trickle in as the word got around that, you know, it was actually nice to visit. It was very, very peaceful. It was very pleasant. Like we started to get a lot more people that second week of the Olympics that would come in. And it was wonderful to be a part of kind of the the world view of the church at that time because because we were center stage right um and all the sisters there like we were center stage to the world at that moment and so it was awesome to be able to help to be a part of influencing for good um sharing our testimonies and influencing for good others who maybe had similar beliefs or maybe just um, had misconceptions on, on what the church represented and what we believed and sharing my testimony um, with so many different people. I I don't know if people realize, but 
Temple Square is a very international mission because we have sisters from about 50 different countries that serve. So I had a companion from Romania, Rome from, um, uh, gosh, no, I can't remember where she's from. One from Romania, one from Japan, and one from Norway. That was the one. Um, and then we had sisters from Germany and Spain. And and so we, um, it was it was wonderful because it's like Hawaii. Hawaii is a big melting pot, right? Uh, international melting pot. So I just fit in right there. And the Lord knew that. That um, And another different thing about Temple Square, I don't know that people realize, is that when you serve there, um, we don't have elders that serve there. We don't have men that serve on Temple Square, right? Except for senior couples. Couples, and, yeah. And so like our mission leadership, right? Like the district leaders, zone leaders, the assistants to the president, they're all female, all the women. So, I mean, if you're going to run a mission, that's the way to run it. <laughs> I mean, we have our mission presidency, of course, um, the priesthood, but um, we we didn't serve with elders. And so we didn't have the priest, like that kind of priesthood leadership. And so... So that was super cool to be able to serve in that capacity. Um, um, just very, very unique experience to be able to do that. And and to do that during the Olympics was also cool because just knowing that the Lord entrusted us to be there at that time to share our testimonies um, in a way with, that would just help people to know that Jesus Christ really was the center of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like... A lot of times people didn't know that. And it was just wonderful to teach that principle to them, that Jesus Christ is the center of our religion. We believe in Jesus Christ as our savior and our redeemer. And just to be able to say that to others internationally, that um, it made such a huge impact in my own life um, in so much that um, when hard times and trials come, I lean back on that knowledge and that um, sure foundation that, that I learned as a missionary. <laughs> yeah. And this is kind of a side note, but I mean, cause I think, don't you have a child on a mission right now? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Mm -mm. Okay. A junior in high school. Okay. Graduate 18. And so off he goes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know it just, this is just kind of a side note of, but looking at what some of the missionaries are struggling from right now, I've done several podcasts on, you know, there's just a lot of struggles and thinking about your mission 21 years ago, 20 years ago, how, do you have any thoughts about what's kind of happening and why the struggles, um, that you see in the missionaries these days? Hmm. I, um, when I was on my mission, you know, it's so hard because it's so different now from when we served and from my children being able to serve now and from a lot of my friends and their their sons that are serving. Um, but when I was on my mission, we, we called home twice a year, right? We called home on Mother's Day and we called home on Christmas. Um, but they have the opportunity now, I think, often to just call home um, or once a week, I think, is yep. what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that that has been super great for, for moms and for, for us being able to, I think for families to be able to participate in, 
in the missionary work and in um, inspiring and supporting their missionaries. But I also feel like that is also a crutch because, I mean, for me and my mission, like being able to call home twice a year, um, like that was hard. It was really hard because you get really homesick a lot of times. Um, but we have to learn to deal with that. We, we I feel like that was part of the challenge is learning to to deal emotionally and then learning to figure things out like when when challenges came when problems came and we didn't know how to address them I couldn't ask my parents for advice I couldn't ask them for I could in a letter and I'd get the advice maybe a month later, later. yeah <laughs> yeah you know um, but by that time, I had, I had to have come up with a solution on my own. So I, I had to turn to the Lord quite more frequently on my own. You know, I didn't I didn't have mom and dad to lean on. And that's not a bad thing. But I also think that that can can hinder um, some of some of our missionaries because because we have um, the opportunity to to turn to to get more answers from those around us, from our family and our support system back home, um, when maybe we could turn more often to the Lord in asking for, mm. for and, and sometimes those answers come through mom and dad, you know, so, right. so maybe, maybe that is okay. Um, but that is one of the things that I, that is very different from, of course, the way I served the mission. Um, and I thought that that was a blessing for me. I'm not saying it's a bad thing for those now, um, but it was a blessing for me to learn to overcome those challenges on my own by turning to the Lord in on my own and, yeah. and developing my testimony that way. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. I want to ask you, you get home from your mission and how <laughs> did you and Fecky, is it, it's Fecky, right? Yes. My husband is Fecky. Yes. Yes. Okay. Before we started recording, I was like, um, Keiki, who, what's your husband's name? And she said, Fecky. And I'm like, I've heard that before. And then she was like the other side of heaven, <laughs> Elder Groberg's companion. So, okay. You've got to tell your story and you've got to tell about his ancestry. So go ahead. Absolutely. So I get home from my mission. Um, and I'm still dating. And this, so my college boyfriend at the time joined, had joined the NFL while I was on my mission. So now he's in the NFL and I get home from my mission and he goes to Tiffany's and he takes me with him and he gets me a two carat diamond, pink diamond <laughs> to try on. And he's like, what do you like? Right. This is, yes, this is what I'm coming home to. He, uh, I mean, like he flies me over to games, pays for the hotels, let me, he like takes me dine, wine and dine, no wine, but you know, <laughs> just dining me um, and like showering me with all the things, all the things um, that you could ever want really in a, in a, in a worldly life, you know, like, I mean, I could have chosen the, any house I wanted, I could have chosen any diamond ring I wanted I could have like the the world was my oyster at that point right and I had just served a mission and my dad's like you know what you served a mission I know that you can receive personal revelation for who you want to marry so if this is the one you want then 
then that's that's your path you know and so so um so we did he got baptized we got engaged um we were moving towards um being married um and then we just had some issues come up um his dad was a minister a methodist minister <laughs> and my dad was a bishop at the time so we had the bishop's daughter and the methodist minister's son and this is a tiny little town and my boyfriend was from my tiny little town in Kogu. and so tiny little town so we are the dog of the town <laughs> like who's gonna win the methodist the mormon like what's gonna happen you know <laughs> what a drama right i mean drama 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 anyway so um, so just a lot of, a lot of things happened. And, um, I, I told him at the time, I said, if you're not, if you're not serious about taking me to the temple, um, then I, I'm going to date around. And, and he's like, Oh no, I'm serious. I'm like, no, if you're not, I'm, I'm going to date around. And so he's at season right there. He's playing and he's doing his thing. I'm like, I'm going to date around. So, so I decided to date around and Lo and behold, my husband comes home and he's home from his mission. And um, previous to his mission, my husband was really good friends with my brother. And so, so when my husband comes home from his mission, he's hanging out with my brother. And my brother and I are only a year apart. And so we're together all the time. We're all at BYU Hawaii, um, just really enjoying the college life and just having fun, you know, doing good things. And I told the other guy, right, that I was going to start dating. And I saw my husband and I told my brother, who is that? I said, oh, he is so cute. <laughs> and my brother was like, oh, don't mess this up for me. You know, he's like, he's my good friend. Don't. He's like, don't mess this up. I was like, no, I good it's fine you know I'm just I'm gonna talk to him you know <laughs> and my husband oh goodness this guy he is Peter priesthood for sure okay my husband was <laughs> he just he came home from his mission and he just wanted to focus on school he didn't want to date he was a homebody he didn't want to have anything to do with girls and so I was trying to get his attention on my own and it was not working. And so I told my brother to step in <laughs> and my brother, again, he said, if you messed this up, he's like, this is my really good friend. <laughs> um, but my brother, it was the very last dance of the year. And I told my brother, come on, I need a date. And so he asked my husband to do him a favor. He called him on the phone and he said, do you do me a favor? Go on a date with my sister. She needs a date. It's just the last dance. You know, it's fine. Just go as a friend. So my husband dragging his feet. Okay. He's like, oh, fine. I'll go with her. So we go on this date, right? And um, I mean, halfway through the date, I'm like, oh, he's not that interested, right? Oh, whatever. And then they start playing all these slow songs at the dance and we start dancing. Oh, and my husband, all of a sudden, like his whole is, he's like interested. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's, let's do this. You know, <laughs> like all of a sudden his whole demeanor changed and he was interested. And I was like, okay. So um, we went home that night 
And, you know, like I said, I, I was still dating the other guy up, the NFL player. And I had told him I would date around. And I came home that night and I did not know that it, if it would, if it was going to work out with me and my husband. And I, I knew that he was kind of interested, but I didn't know really how interested he was at all. But I called my boyfriend that was the NFL player. And I told him it, I'm done. It's over. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm done. It's over. And the thing is, uh, when I went on a date with my husband that night, Heavenly Father, this is that pivotal moment, that testimony moment, you know, but he, I feel like I had a vision, kind of a vision, right? Where I saw that my life could take two different paths, completely different paths. I could date this guy who I knew honored his priesthood, who was prepared to take me to the temple, who I didn't have to teach the importance of family home evening and scripture reading and um, seminary, you know, like I didn't have to, to um, tell him why that was important. That was already important to him. Or I could go with this other guy who could give me everything my heart desired, everything that I ever wanted. Um, he would buy me a car. He would buy me all the nice clothes. He would take me on fancy trips, like anything that I wanted, I could have had with him. <clears throat> and so it was clear, like, but I could see that he was in the NFL. So I'd go to church by myself on Sundays and probably take my kids to church by myself. I'd, I'd probably do family home evening by myself. And, you know, those are those were things that were so important to me. And it was so important that that night, without knowing how interested my husband was, I saw that he was the one I wanted. And I called him up, the NFL player, and I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and we had been dating for seven years, me and this NFL player. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. And so wow. it was really difficult. It was really difficult for both of us, but I knew that it was the right decision. And I never looked back. Three weeks later, my husband and I were engaged. You were and, three weeks. Yep. And six months later, we were married. And then we had a child a year later and we have five, ch five children now. I mean, like I said, I'm one of those, like, once I make a decision, I'm not going to look back. I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, you told me this was going to work out. So we're full bore you know I'm heading that direction and so I did that with my mission and I did it again with my husband and that's the lesson I've learned you know just again God's plan is better than my plan and so I figure I might as well follow him because I keep messing up on my own plan <laughs> <laughs> okay so what brought you because what brought you to the United to the mainland right Yes. And then what led you to become a financial advisor? Like, how did that all transpire? So my husband, so we, so we got married, he finished his degree at BYU Hawaii. And then we went, he got into law school. So we went to BYU Provo is where he went to law school. And um, while he was in law school, we had two children at the time, two boys, and we were just broke, completely broke. <laughs> I mean, they say broke like a joke. And I mean like that, like broke like a joke. <laughs> 
we were, I mean, you know, just the regular, typical family struggling. Um, we lived in family student housing and just trying to make it on our own. And I needed to find something that would allow for me to work um, and use my degree in business <laughs> and um, still be at home with my two little ones. They're still really small. My My son was, I think, two and a half and maybe one um, at the time that we were there. And so I needed something that worked around my husband's law school schedule, which was awful, by the way, don't recommend law school, but, <laughs> um, but it had to work around his school schedule. It had to work around my kid's schedule. It had to allow me flexibility and freedom. Um, so there were a lot of things that I needed, right? Um, and I wanted to use my business degree. And again, um, Heavenly Father stepped in and um, I was on, I was in front of our apartment um, one day talking with some neighbors and there was a woman that was walking across the street and she asked me, she was just asking me a question, where, where did someone live? She was looking for a home for someone in my neighborhood. And so I pointed it out and she said, by the way, do you know anyone who might be looking for work? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. I'm looking for work. And so she was able to tell me um, that she had an office in the area um, and that she helped um, families with finances. And so, and that's where my journey began in fi the financial services industry. Um, I was able to get licensed to do life insurance first. And then now I do like retirement plans and Roth IRAs and uh, mutual funds and different things. But one of the things that I loved about what our company offered was that they were going to pay for all of the licensing, all of my financial licenses. So again, we were broke college kids, right? With two kids. I figured if anything, I was going to get a free financial education out of this, right? And I was going to learn what my options were for my family. And that was the biggest thing for me. So I said, why not, right? I prayed about it. Again, Heavenly Father, like there's no way that I would have found this on my own or I have been able to have done this on my own. But Heavenly Father um, put, and she's still a good friend of mine today and a mentor of mine in financial services, but she, he put her in my path so that I could um, do financial services. And again, just figure out options for my own family and I was always I've always been grateful again I just Heavenly Father said yes and I went forward and I just didn't look back Get it. so what <laughs> is it about finances that you love because you and I've talked last week we talked and I love numbers I love doing our family finances I love figuring it all out I love writing out a budget I love adding things up I do our taxes I love it what is it for you that you love about finances financial planning sister first of all anyone that loves to do this you are one in a million my friend <laughs> I don't have that many clients that love to do this <laughs> so you are just a rare gem is what I'm trying to say um which is good for me because I like to do it right so, um 
I forgot the question. I'm sorry. What was the question? What, what is it about the, why do you love it so much? I, I know that it gives me a thrill. I don't, it's weird, but what is it about finances? The financial planning part, is it the connection with the client? Is it your joy of working with someone and helping them plan for their future? What is it about financial advising that you love? So I, I talk a lot about my dad today. I need to talk about my mom. She's wonderful, by the way, in case she's listening. <laughs> um, but my dad loves numbers. And so like when growing up, we go to the store and there's six popsicles in a box and it's $2. How much does each popsicle cost? You know, like that's the kind of stuff that we did. And so I just love numbers like you. And I love to figure things out. So I take all these puzzle pieces, like all these different parts of people's finances, and I put it together so that it fits better. Because sometimes the way that they're fitting things together is not working out really well. And so I try to find another way to fit it all together and to use different strategies that might work better for them. And I love that. I love like picking things apart and putting it back together. Like, and it just, I thrive in that, like, look what I created. Look at this. This is so cool. Look what you can do. Look how much money you can save. Look how fast you can get out of debt. This is so cool. You know? Um, So I love that. I love being able to to just put all these different pieces together and see that they can be very successful. And I love being one-on-one with families. I love um, I love just seeing that I can help people get in a better place financially um, because that's really hard. Finances are really hard and we don't get a ton of foundational education on um, like what a Roth IRA is and when I should right. start and how should I buy a car and what is interest rates and how do I buy a mortgage and I mean how do I buy a home you know how do I even qualify for a mortgage like we didn't get a ton of that before when I was in school anyway so so it's hard and it's frustrating and if you don't know what you're doing and you don't understand your options right um that can cause a lot of conflict in marriages and in families and um I, I love being able to show a husband and wife, look, these are your goals. And if you guys do these things and implement these strategies, you can accomplish your goals together and you can work on it together this way. And so I hope to be able to bring a lot more balance and peace in families and help them to feel just more confident um, that they can actually accomplish their financial goals, whatever they may be. So I love that part. Can you share um, one of the joys, one of your greatest joys, I would say, from our conversations of you going into financial advising that blessed your family? Absolutely. Um, So I started in financial services in 2011, right, Um, in Utah. And after my husband graduated, we went back to Hawaii. One of my very first clients, of course, was my family members, right? I wanted to make sure that they were all set. So we did financial plans for everybody. We got everybody set up financially um, with life insurance, with investments, and just made sure that everyone had what they needed, just in case, you know, Um, and that they could plan for the future, right? They could have a better future. Um, And so that was in 2011. 
And then in 2020, um, COVID hit, right? And um, the world changed for all of us. Um, and um, it especially changed for myself and my family. My um, my brother, my older brother, his name is Maui. He's the Kolohe one, um, the rascal of the family. Um, but he was also our gentle giant. He was just, he gave the biggest and best bear hugs. My brother did. He was six feet um, and he was probably about 350 pounds. <laughs> maybe more, but he was just a big, huge, like, if you think of Moana, the movie, and the story of Maui, right, the character Maui, that was my brother, he was just a big teddy bear um, that loved everyone, he was so social, but in 2020, um, in and this is before they had the vaccine, my brother got sick, um, and he he declined rather rapidly. He um he got sick. They found out he had COVID. He ended up back then in Hawaii. They had COVID hotels. I don't know if you heard of those. I did. Yeah, I did. So my brother ended up in a COVID hotel, um, and which was a good thing because they checked on him quite frequently, and um, they needed to rush him to the hospital. Um, um, he ended up in the hospital. Um, I think a day later, he ended up in the ICU. And I think a day after that, he um, lost consciousness. They put him in a... Um, induced coma. Induced coma. Yeah, they did that in it. And um, he tried to wake up on Thanksgiving. He tried to wake up. And I think it's because he could smell all the good food. My brother <laughs> And we have a big old party on Thanksgiving. My family does. And I think he really wanted to come to that party. But um, he tried to wake up that day. And it it wasn't good for him because his lungs failed. And his kidneys began to fail. And different organs in his body began to give way. And um, on December 12th in 2020, um, my brother took his last breath. And... Um, it was hard. It was really hard for our family um, because, you know, we had we had done all the things. We had fasted. We had prayed. We had done all the things, you know. And our family is. Um, I mean, if if you know our family from back home, we are we we are pretty involved in doing service, um, quite often. And so um, my children do a lot of service. My my brother and my sister and their families, they, they all do lots of service. And so why, right? Like we do so much, we give so much. And it's not the, um, I mean, we had prayed and fasted and I, I believed, I, I knew he was going to get better. And, and we had prayed and fasted that he would be healed. And I came to learn that he was healed, but it was not in, he was made whole, um, but it wasn't on this side of the veil that he was made whole. You know, that's what I wanted. Again, God's plan better than my plan, right? Um, but I had a really hard time with that. I struggled a lot with that. Um, and you can look at my rantings on Facebook. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> about how I struggled with the loss of my brother. He was only two years older than me. He was 43 at the time. He had three children um, and one grandbaby. Um, um, but it was a big hit for our community. Again, a very, very small community um, that we come from. And no one had passed away yet of COVID in our community. And so he was the first. And at this time, I'm kind of going into more than, but at this time, um, during COVID, right, in Hawaii, only 10 people could go to the funeral service. Funeral. And so it was just my brother's immediate family, his children and wife and his mother-in-law and my brother, my sister and my brother and my mom and dad. That's it. That could come to his funeral service. And it was so sad. Um and we cried and and um but he was my brother again so much service he had done so much service and he had touched so many lives um that like we came down um in a procession right for with the with the funeral car what is that called anyway oh the hearst the hearse yeah so he's in the hearse and we're coming down um off the beautiful mountain that's where he had his service up at this funeral home in the temple valley and um the street is called um, kahekili and it's in kahalu but there's a long stretch in kahalu and lined on both sides of the stretch for about probably three four hundred people and parked in cars and semi-trucks there was a helicopter that flew over and threw pedals over and um and then um the community because the community mourned with, with our family um everyone came and the the hearse slowly went down the highway and everyone came and they touched the hearse and that was our goodbyes to my brother. Um, how grateful, right? Like we were to see the outpouring of love from our community, from members of the church and our ward. Everyone came. There was a big party. They had loudspeakers. Um, my brother worked for TSA. Um, and so it wasn't quite clear whether he had actually contracted COVID from work because he worked at TSA. And so, sorry. Um, but the roads were lined with all his TSA workers. I don't know that there were any TSA security <laughs> people at the airport at the time, but um, it was just amazing. And then the people gathered together on the road and we closed the highway and they did the haka. I don't know if you know what the haka yeah, is. I do. I do. All the men in the middle of the road, they brought out the fire knives and they surrounded the hearse with the fire knives and they danced. And then they surrounded it with the men from our community that did the haka as a farewell to my brother. And so just amazing and beautiful. Um, anyway, it was awesome. And again, I struggled quite a bit um, with my own faith and I came to a point this is kind of a pivotal point again for me but I came to the point where I told myself okay Kiki it's either you get to see your brother again and it's all true or you don't get to see him again and none of it is true so you decide 
<laughs> right? I had to decide. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose to see my brother again. And it helped me to dig out of that black hole that I found myself in, that I just spiraled into because I didn't understand and it didn't make sense. And I didn't like this part of his plan. It just, <laughs> I didn't agree with his plan. And I didn't I get what was going on, you know? Um, so, so I decided it's true. I'm going to see him again and I need to climb back out. And so um, one of the great blessings, again, of me becoming a financial advisor again in 2011, so this is nine years previous to my brother's death, is that I sold my brother a life insurance policy, um, a very big life insurance policy. So I felt that Heavenly Father stepped in and he introduced me to that woman on the sidewalk so that my brother and his family could be prepared for this nine years later. You know, not something I could have seen or prepared for myself. Um, but it was by the hand of God that I was able to help my brother in such a way that he was able to leave something behind for his family. They didn't get kicked out of their home. They were able to, you know, in Hawaii, homes are expensive. But Very. they were able to pay for the medical expenses. I mean, everything was covered. And I felt like that was like my last gift that I got to give to my brother as a farewell. Um, and it's a gift that I couldn't have done myself. Like I wouldn't, again, I would not have gone into this industry. I wouldn't have thought, oh yeah, I'll sell life insurance, you know? <laughs> like that's not something I had planned for. It was part of Heavenly Father's plan, which is why. And it was because I listened, right? And <laughs> um followed his plan and and because I followed that prompting I was able to be made an instrument in God's hands to help me prepare my brother for a time when his family would most need it and so grateful for that and because of that you know I I continue to see the value in helping other families prepare for those things um if, if needed, but also to just prepare for their future so that they can have something to feel really good about. And they don't feel scared about going into retirement, knowing that they they have prepared well for retirement and they don't have to work the rest of their lives. I don't think anyone should have to work the rest of their lives. That's sad, right? Unless you want to, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By choice. <laughs> Right. So anyway, sorry, that was a really long story. But... No, that's, it's wonderful. And that's, that's what I think is so beautiful. That's why I love doing this podcast is because in our lives, we are able to, we have all of us have a story to tell multiple stories. And because of the work you do, Heavenly Father allowed you to help his family and kind of give him that last gift and be a light, you know, in this world and to his, his his posterity and his wife. So I love it. I think it's wonderful. I want to know as we're getting closer to wrapping it up, what brought you to Idaho? <laughs> and <laughs> what made you decide with your financial knowledge and your ability to advise people, you wanted to 
create a place for women to feel empowered. That's, you know, the Facebook bright her future, um, went to women entrepreneurs and stuff. So what brought you to Idaho and what led you to want to help women specifically in their businesses and their personal growth financially? Um, so my husband um, worked for BYU Hawaii in the honor code office. And um, there was an opening at BYU Idaho and he had made some good friends here. And they told him, you should apply. And we thought, why? Why would he do that? But but he did. And he got offered a job at the honor code office here at BYU Idaho. And so we prayed about it again. Heavenly Father's plan is better than mine, right? So we prayed about it and um, decided that was what the Lord wanted us to do. He wanted us to come to Idaho. And so so off we went. We packed our bags. We didn't have much before, but we sold everything we had. And we came to Idaho. <laughs> and I mean we bought a home here and we barely had enough to put in like one or two rooms you know but we bought a big six-bedroom home and I thought we're never gonna fill this house and of course we have in the last (laughs) (laughs) my children did a great job of filling my house with all these toys um but yeah so we ended up in Idaho because my husband um worked for BYU-Idaho. Since then, he has left BYU-Idaho, and now he works for the church as a self-welfare and self-reliance manager um, for the church and the area here. Um, But when we came to Idaho, what I love about my work is that I, um, I have freedom of location, right? Like I can travel and I can still work um, because I meet a lot of my clients on Zoom, um, and so, so I I have a, an office here, a brokerage office in Rexburg, Idaho, where I can meet with clients if they want to sit down and meet one-on-one. Um, but oftentimes, because I'm a working mom, right? I have five children at home, but oftentimes I just get on Zoom like this and I talk to families. I um, talk to wives and to husbands and we put together a financial plan um, that works for them and financial goals that work for them. And I just love it. I love that I can do that from home. And one of the things, right, with financial advisors or with any business is that you need to find clients, right? Um, and um, and I felt like I was praying about it again. Heavenly Father, help me figure this out. Like, I, I need to be at home. We had just gone through COVID. Like, how am I going to find clients? Like, I can't be out there all the time. Um, and so I was inspired, um, to, to start doing social media and I took a couple of different classes on social media and decided to start a Facebook group called Bright Her Future. Um, and so it previously was called Wealth and Women, what was what it was called. And, um, then, uh, now it's called Bright Her Future. And the reason is because we moved before I used to just do personal finances in my group, but now we've expanded uh, because I saw the interest in a lot of my clients in our group, but we've expanded to include um, personal finances and really identifying your financial goals and now including successful entrepreneurs, um, women entrepreneurs, because what I have found is that um 
if you have extra income, right, extra passive income or just a side hustle for a lot of ladies, a lot of my mompreneurs out there, um, if you have extra income, you can re your, reach your financial goals a lot faster. Right? <laughs> um, the more income you have, the more you can reach your financial goals, whether that's paying down your debt faster, saving more for retirement or saving for your son's mission, right? I mean, going on family vacation, but you can hit those goals a lot faster if you bring in some extra income. And so identifying that that was a way that could help my clients and my group members, I decided to start interviewing successful women entrepreneurs so that they could give advice, so they could share their challenges, and that they could encourage other women to seek after their desires, their interests, or the things that the Lord has inspired them to do for themselves, yes. help their own families reach their goals. And so, so now our group includes not just their own financial planning that I can do personally for them, but um, hearing from the experiences of all these other business women that I have absolutely loved. I think I learned what more way for myself. It's more for me than it is for them, right? Because I learned so much from interviewing all these different women and you would think maybe they would say kind of similar stuff and it's not, everybody has a different story to tell so many different experiences in business that can help you find your way and your direction. Like it's amazing. And I've just been so blessed myself to have had all these different women that I've been able to talk to and interview. And it's been amazing. Like I love interviewing local women in my area in Idaho, but I also interview a lot of women from Utah and from um, Hawaii. Arizona. Oh, Hawaii. Back in Hawaii, because I have lots of friends and family, right, that are still there. So um, a lot of my, the majority of my group is in Idaho, Utah, and in Hawaii. And so we take turns kind of hearing from different women from those different areas. And it's just so cool because... There's something about women um, talking to other women. We empower each other in a way that my my husband, I love him, but, but you know, there's just a way that my my friends can support and empower me that my husband can't. He does in a different way, um, but there's a there's something about women helping each other, supporting each other, that really just gives you the. Um, maybe the courage that you need sometimes to push through some of those challenges and trials. And, and that's what I love about my group is I try to help convey um, that feeling um, that we together, we rise together. Like there's more than enough for everybody. There's more than enough of the pie for everybody. I don't need my piece of the pie. Um, let's just share the pie. <laughs> <laughs> Good. What, what right now in your life this last year, what has brought you the most excitement about this new social media endeavor to reach more women and talk to more women? What's the most exciting thing about it? Hmm, most exciting thing. Um, I, I just love connect. I have loved connecting with people that maybe I haven't connected with in a very long time. Um, I've been talking with a lot more of my classmates from high school and I mean, I've graduated 25 years ago. So, you know, like we see each other on Facebook, but um, people seeing the things that I'm doing um, on Facebook and with my group, they contact me if they've known me for a while, or I've already established trust with them just through friendships, you know, through, through school or 
like I said, in high school. But it's been wonderful, like reconnecting with these people and seeing how their lives have been, like their families have grown and the things that they've done and experienced. I've, I, I love hearing stories. I do. I love, that's one of the things I love most about my group is I do interviews with women because I love hearing their story. And I feel like we can all learn from each other's story. Everybody loves a good story. Everybody loves oh, kidding. <laughs> and everyone right? has, everyone has a everybody story. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has a story to tell. And so I have loved reconnecting. I, I love meeting new women and a lot of new clients, but I have really loved connecting with connecting. people that I haven't seen for a very long time. And, and it's that connection where it's like, oh yeah, we're still really good friends. Like, you know, where we can pick up where we left off. You know, it's, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but, but just that's been really wonderful. And so oh, that's great. Well, I've got two more questions for you and then I will let you go, <laughs> but I can't, I, I, I am backtracking for just a second because I need you to tell this story. Okay. <laughs> so you need to tell, um, cause it's really like, I don't feel it's like by, by chance that your husband is back in Idaho by where his whole family, I mean, brother, um, elder Groberg. And so you've got to tell the story about Fiki and his family and the other side of heaven. Tell that. And then I'll ask you the last question. <laughs> um, yes, I married a celebrity. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. Um, but my husband, so if you haven't seen it, um, the movie is The Other Side of Heaven. It's also a book. It's written by John H. Groberg. And John H. Groberg was from Idaho Falls, which is only about 15 minutes south of where I live right now. <laughs> and when he was a young man, he got a mission call to serve in Tonga, right? And when he got there, his companion for most of his mission was my husband's grandfather. His name was Fecky. And so, um, and so he, Fecky, right? Um, my, we call him Grandpa Fecky. That's what, that's what we call him. And so Grandpa Fecky knew Elder Groberg and they had stayed in touch their whole lives. And um, Grandpa Fecky stayed in Tonga and then he moved to Niue, which is another, it's a small um, independent island in the Pacific that not a lot of people know about because it's only one island and it's a small coral atoll is what it is um but he married a woman from Niue after they were married they had my father-in-law his name is Joseph and they moved to BYU Hawaii and it was called the Church College of Hawaii at the time um but the Church College of Hawaii um, that came from a vision that was given by David O'McKay, oh, okay. mm -hmm. who visited the um, the area, and he saw at a flag raising ceremony for an elementary school, he saw a bunch of children gathered together that were international, and he said, "This from this place, um, people, the world will gather, and they'll be able to go out and share." Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where the vision of the church college of Hawaii came from. And so my grandpa Feki came to Laie to build the church college of Hawaii. So 
Um, so he is known as one of those who came and sacrificed to build the school. He wasn't educated. He mm -hmm. just came to build the school. And so, um, so amazing that my husband and I graduated from there. My in-laws graduated from there. I mean, just so many blessings that came from my, my husband's grandfather's legacy. Wow. But he passed away before my my um my husband was even born. Um, Grandpa Fecky got cancer, and this of course is back in what nineteen, maybe forty fifties. Um, but he got cancer, and um, he they didn't they didn't know how to help him, so he returned to Salt Lake City to try to get treatment, and he passed away. Um. But amazingly, right? Isn't this so amazing? We've stayed in contact with the Grobergs through the years. Um, um, but when my husband and I came to Idaho, we hadn't realized that John Groberg was from Idaho Falls and <laughs> that his family was still here. And so full circle, you know, that he was called from Idaho Falls to Tonga. And then we like... Grandpa Fecky's family returned to the Idaho Falls area yeah, um, where we continue to make connections with his family that are still in the area. And it's been such a blessing for our family to be able to do that because again, we didn't know Grandpa Fecky. He passed away before my husband was born. And so we hear stories from um, Elder Groberg. We hear stories from his grandchildren because he, because Grandpa Fecky made such a an impression and an impact and he was such a big influence on John Groberg that he told the stories of his mission to his grandchildren to his great-grandchildren like and these are stories we never heard because of course right we weren't there and he wasn't here to tell them and so for us to make those connections and feel a connection to Grandpa Fecky um has been wonderful and such a blessing for our family. Again, right? God's plan is better than mine. Like I just, there's no way we could have planned that. We wouldn't have even thought of that, that being one of the reasons that we returned. But what an amazing experience for that to happen. Full right? circle. Yeah. That's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Icky, this is the last question. I ask everybody that I interview, how <laughs> do you personally seek light? How do I personally seek light? Hmm. <laughs> I feel like my husband is probably my bright light in my world. Um, and also my children. I, I feel like I seek light through my children, through my family. It allows me... Um, as I share my testimony with my family and my children, I seek for them to have understanding that my testimony is that I believe in Jesus Christ and I know that he died for me and for them so that we could return together as a family to live with him. And so I feel like if I can share that and I can teach that to my children, um, that their light will continue to bless others throughout the world, especially as they prepare to serve their missions. I'm really grateful that they want to serve missions. And because of my own mission experience, right, I didn't want to serve a mission. Um, we, uh, we talk about it quite often because I want them to, 
have made the decision to serve a mission way before the time it comes to turn in their papers, right? I want them to have, have had already made that decision if that's what they want. And so, um, so I feel like I seek light through my children. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it allows me, I seek light through the things that they do and in understanding that they have a testimony to share and that they know how to share it and they can invite others to Christ through their light. That makes sense. I, you know what? Yes, it totally does. Because I'm, I'm reading a book right now called good inside. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just is really like my children. I feel that they are good inside. I am good inside. We are all good inside. And when we live to our highest potential, we share that light with other people. And I, I feed off of my children's light. So I totally get it. Yes, absolutely. And so they, they are a bright light for me. And so is my husband and we just help each other. (laughs) Well, Kiki, I want to thank you so much. I uh, now I want to share with people. I'm going to put your email in the podcast uh, description notes. Also, with your Facebook group, I'm going to spell it out. It's B R I G H T and then H E R, so brighter, like her at the end, but it's it's brighter um, future, and then it's Coach KK, and she's also got a podcast. We're starting one. That's going to be yep. fun. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. She's starting a podcast, hopefully here. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And is there anything else that I can share with people of have, have they want to reach out to you and um, talk to you? Um, I'm on Instagram, bright her future on Instagram as well. Um, I hope that you can look me up on Facebook or yeah, I think that's the best way to okay. <laughs> find me on Facebook or you can email me. But um, yes, I do offer a free consultation for personal finances. So if you'd like to just look at what your options are and what strategies are available and how you can move forward, um, I'm happy to do that. So, okay. Thank you so much. I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.